and welcome everybody to another episode of Fun with Fungus. I'm your host, Anthony Moore. Today, we'll be talking about the shiitake mushroom, my favorite mushroom. I have some co-hosts here. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Hi, everybody. I'm Dylan. I really don't like mushrooms. I'm just here for color. That's acceptable. What about you? Um... I'm Jackie. I play Fiona, and I know for a fact that Anthony also does not like mushrooms. Know thy enemy. Know thy enemy. And who's the last person here? Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Casey. I'm Skyping in from my eco-friendly Subma Palace. I bought it at Al Gore's estate sale. <laughs> and it does have a considerable uh, fungus garden. I haven't charted its exact depth yet because the uh, the Mulmanic population resents me intruding into their natural habitat. But from what I've seen, uh, shiitake does make up a large portion of the crop yield. So I'm, I'm here to get more information about that. Is your fungal growth on purpose or is that just a result of yeah. the environment that you've built this thing in? I'm going to say a little from column A. And a little from the Molmanic alphabet, uh, most closely corresponding to the English A. I see. Okay. The Molmen do not know they're in a giant submarine. Please don't tell them that. How did the Molmen get into a giant submarine? Ask Al Gore, man. Ask Al Gore. They're meant to be subterranean. This is a hostile environment for them. Well, yeah, but they don't know that. There's tons of dirt in there. <laughs> it's environmentally friendly. No, that's not... That's incorrect. You've destroyed their ecosystem. I Again, I urge you to take it up with Al Gore, sir. He's not doing anything. I'd like to say that the Momanic people existed in this country before you did. They did. And implying that you're the rightful owner of the land you live on is, is very, very uh, bad. Well, uh, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to make a point of distinction there, Anthony, if I could, and I'm sorry for interrupting you. Uh, homo Molmanicus is a very proud people, but they have no problem with sharing the surface world as long as you don't claim ownership over the land under where you live. I also have a point to make. By all means. And that point is that we just ended a recording <laughs> <laughs> and 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 scrapped it to the the b-roll bloopers reel pile and now you guys are doing this well i think i threw everybody off with my fancy npr voice i loved it <laughs> it was wonderful yeah, and um, I was actually I was actually about to cut like any second and just say and these and other topics today on semi automagic ink. Anyways, these yep. welcome to oh. semi automagic ink. Um, yes, I am. I am a I am a water sprite bounty hunter named who, Rowan, play? played by Anthony Moore. <laughs> All right, uh, and these are the people who actually run the show who have given me control over the introduction. It's yep. really we should yep. stop doing that. You know, you'd think, and yet, here we are. Hey, everybody, I'm Dylan, and I'm playing Solomon Byron, a wizard of the White Council. Uh, I'm Jackie, and I'm playing Fiona, a hipster fay barista, um, with a penchant for obtaining fancy rare vases. I am Casey, and... uh that's you hate yourself that's, right now. No, I don't. I love my friends so much. I'm actually sad that I couldn't come up with clever stuff like you guys do. But uh, we are here to run a podcast theoretically about magic. 
but mostly in my experience about uh, kidnapping and baked goods. Yep. And uh, threatening to shoot desks. Threatening to shoot desks. And counters and children, you know. Yeah, threatening to shoot all kinds of stuff, really. Mobile or immobile. Yeah, just any noun. (laughs) Name a noun, we'll shoot it. (laughs) We'll threaten to shoot it. We have not fired a gun yet. Have we? No, we really haven't, have we? Rowan, do you even have ammo in that thing? (laughs) That is yet to be seen. (laughs) You just open up the cylinder and it's full of rolls of Smarties. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's gonna happen at some point today i'm just gonna three two one something can't. intense is gonna be happening and i'm just gonna be pulling out candies from the <laughs> you guys i think our blood sugar's a little low let's just <laughs> all right so yes um last time a dispute was settled via the age old right of the soul gaze um a young man's mind was wiped possibly forever a magic doctor was called in and there was the implication of a darker party in the uh, warlock activities that young Master Preston had been uh, perpetuating, not perpetuating, perpetrating um, throughout the Milwaukee Heights neighborhood. Um, when we left, la, 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 words, red leather, yellow leather, the human torch was denied a bank loan. Um, if memory serves... You guys had just uh, peeled out. You had burned rubber in Dr. Bismarck's Jeep, and she had gone inside to... uh, Please, Mrs. Dr. Bismarck, Ph.D. Esquire. Mrs. Dr. Bismarck, Ph.D. Esquire III. And uh, she had gone in to see to the mental and or magical maladies of Boston the Butler and Ramona Preston. And I think that brings us up to speed. Um, Where are you guys? What are you doing? First of all, I mean, I assume you all got in the car together, but you know what happens when you assume you hurt people's feelings. Um, I yeah, am driving yes. the Jeep. Of course towards, you are. Towards the West Carter Hotel, so. Shotgun. What? Shotgun. No. No, are, are, you, are you claiming that or declaring that you have found one? Oh. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> Rowan? I'm in the back seat making Okay. Sure. With with the, with the living corpse. Yeah. Okay. So have you just like buckled him in weekend at Bernie style? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So um are you guys just writing in silence or what's what's going on here? We're just going to drop into the scene and see what evolves. We're going to let this uh we're going to let this play out organically. All right. I- I'm tuning through the radio trying to find anything of value and finding nothing but terrible pop music and static. Absolutely not. Um, you do actually stumble across, across a uh, classic rock station where they are interviewing uh, Jeff Lynn of Jeff Lynn and his Electric Light Orchestra, but the interview has just ended. Bummer. Yeah. Ain't that just the way? Man. Fiona, how are you feeling? <laughs> Um, I'm feeling like I hate this entire radio thing. Like, as an idea? Yeah. Like, are you that hipster? Like, you only listen to wax cylinder recordings? Yes, exactly. Hey, uh, sidebar, y'all need to get up on your microphone, please. Sorry! Yes, I only listen to wax cylinder. Fair enough. And, uh, Rowan, how, how are things going with you after that tense showdown? Um... I'm, I'm like, 
poking at the kid. Okay. I'm like, um, go ahead. I'm 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 like, I don't know, like. I want to see if there's anything like going on. Like, is this, does he have a pulse? Like, is he just yeah. gone, gone? Certainly. Um, does Rowan have any like medical experience or even just like basic first aid stuff? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, as a bounty hunter, his his uh, bounties are either taken and dead or alive. Sure, preferably dead. Sure. So, uh, if if someone's mortally wounded he's just gonna finish it off he's never actually like like i think he can maybe put a band-aid on himself okay uh, and maybe like relocate his shoulder if it gets disconnected or dislocated but nope disconnected three two one cannon it's the same thing (laughs) all right um then to the best of your extremely limited ability to discern uh the boys uh lights on but ain't nobody home Oh, uh, how does his hand look? Oh, his hand, the hand that the ring was on? The hand that I exploded. Oh, the hand that you exploded, yes. Uh, god, that was a while ago. It's, um, it's pretty, pretty messed up. Like, if you had a glass bottle explode in your hand with the force of, say, a firecracker inside, it's, uh, looking like you might could make some hamburger helper with it. Ooh. Yeah. I look at them and I'm like, you know, I didn't know I was capable of that. Well, well, now you know. Good job. You certainly saved the rest of us from having to deal with a... Broken bottle? Yes. <laughs> Thanks was... for that, by the way. It would I, have I... been a terrible mess. <laughs> I, I expected it to... So to sticky. Kind of, I expected to kind of blind him in the eyes, uh... Like, make him recoil, but not, like, literally blow his hand off. Well, he recoiled. Yeah. Quite a bit. Okay. So what are we doing with him now, then? We're taking him to the Westfield Carter Hotel. Oh, God. You guys, like, all the people there hate me. And I hate all the people there. Well, you guys don't have to come. <laughs> I can drop you back in Magic Beans. We're in the car with you. We're coming. Especially because okay. I haven't gotten paid yet. And especially because I'm pretty sure there's a bunch more bases there that I can win. Oh, boy. <laughs> Solomon just looks into the camera. Oh, boy. Here we go again. <laughs> he, he, get, he gives the gym look from the office. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant the Jim Belushi look. Which is to look like a John <laughs> Belushi look like. We can we can do the Jim Belushi speech. I can give you the Jim Belushi speech. I'm tempted because I don't know what that is, but in the interest of saving time, like they, yeah, she is like the whipping boy of everybody in community. I don't remember that now. What I do remember is uh, when you and I went to Harmon Town and Mitch Hurwitz was the uh, the comptroller. Dan Harmon asked him if he could do a John Belushi impression, and his response was, "Well, I have a Jim Belushi, a John Belushi impression that's not very good, so yes." <laughs> that made me happy. All right, moving on. So yeah, you guys are headed to the Westfield Carters. Is there anywhere you want to go? Anything you want to do first? I mean, is he bleeding out? Like. No, like, I mean, his his hand is really messed up, but appears to be, like, coagulating and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
despite alcohol being a uh, natural blood thinner, he doesn't appear to be leaking all over the place. Same with his face. His his face is like if he were aware and present, he would he would need probably some pretty major reconstructive surgery. But he's not like going to die from his face wound. Okay. Welp. <laughs> well, the the lights are on and nobody's home. So what exactly are you guys going to do with him? We'll figure that out when we get there. That's reassuring. Listen, we are in, uh, really odd water right now. Do you have any idea, uh, who, uh, this guy, what was the name of the guy, Casey? Alto Dextrin. Yep. Alto Zephyr. Alto Zephyr. Like, like, do you have any idea who this Alto Zephyr guy is? Unless he's an otherworldly saxophone player, I have no clue. Um, Casey. Yes, sir. I, I texted, uh... Your boyfriend. Not my boyfriend. Uh... uh Xavier Tango Fourth the Fifth? Yeah. yeah. Uh, about, about the name, right? I, I don't know, man. Did you? I, 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 I think I did. He did, okay. I remember. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, have Very I got- good. I mean, I don't think there's been a lot of time between me texting him and us leaving, but no. And just just taking that as just taking that as being true, um, I do seem to recall that when he texted you back, it was about having discovered that a ring was missing from the uh, registry of magical and potentially dangerous objects, and that he would uh, get to work on researching the name Altus Effort directly. Right. Okay. So also, there was an emoticon of. Uh, of Hawaiian sweetbread being eaten by a large uh, turtle. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, so that I haven't gotten anything back from him yet, right? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have nothing else to do then. Until we get there. All right, Fiona. Um, as you're sitting there actively disdaining this quote radio fad, um, you feel a warm, slightly itchy sensation uh, from under your left sleeve. I itch at it viciously with my claws. You can find no relief. I start chewing on it. I... whoa. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, As you chew, you find that the skin of your arm where the mark that you have obtained, uh, having become an honorary wee free man, uh, the mark is warm and... uh, Almost vibrating a little bit. Uh, Casey. Yes, sir. I seem to recall correctly, I accidentally ate some of their soup. And you certainly did. Myself. You certainly did. Um, yeah, Rowan, your, your tummy itches a little bit. Just a little tiny bit, though. Like, like hers is like full on, like, if a hundred kittens were, were trying to, you know, like, march their little tiny paws and claws over her inner arm at the same time. And yours is, like, if you just had a little itch on your tummy. So I'm just absentmindedly scratching it. Like yeah, you have, you have no reason to suspect that it would be anything else. Okay. Oh, God, this thing itches! Says Fiona, shocking the silent car. That mark? Yes! You know they burned down your, your, your coffee place then. A plume of smoke rises ominously on the horizon. <laughs> no! Really? Yeah. Really? Shit! Turn the car around! 
We have to take this guy no! to the... We have a... We have... Here, give me the wheel! No, never. Fiona, take the wheel. <laughs> um... It is, perhaps worth, it is perhaps worth noting that the plume of smoke is on the opposite side of town as magic beams. <laughs> I conjure um, very bright speckly lights in Fiona's vision. How? It's supposed to like, distract you. They're like fireworks. What's wrong now? Is it still the mark? No, it was <laughs> the, the, the lights you shone in her eyes. No, that was Solomon. There's someone asking. Oh. I'm confused. Let's backtrack a little bit. Solomon shot super bright lights into her eyes. She went, ow. Ow. Okay, we've lost something. Yeah, what's going on here, guys? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I shot bright lights into your eyes. You said, ow, and I said, what's wrong? Right, with with a big pretending not to know face. that I had just shot bright oh, lights into your okay. eyes. Okay, exactly. So can we can we rewind to the point when you say I shine bright lights in her eyes? Okay. <laughs> okay, just just say it again for a for a jump off point. Yeah. Uh, I conjure bright speckly lights in Fiona's eyes. Ow! What's the matter? What's wrong? How's it going? I think you know. No, I what? I, nothing's happening over here. I'm having a pleasant drive through the city with an invisible child brain-dead in the back of my Jeep. It's fine. Everything's fine. That became your Jeep really quickly. <laughs> Fiona, the, the smoke isn't even near your coffee shop. Then why am I itchy and blinded? Because, I don't know, you're annoying. So are you! Yeah, but I'm in the back seat. And I put my arm around around uh, Theodore. And me and Theodore, we're being quiet and okay right now. That's because he's, like, dead. Doesn't matter. Still a better companion than you are. Wow. <sighs> uh, Fiona, the itching on your arm begins to fade just a little bit. So it's now... Uh, well within tolerable limits, but it's still still just kind of warm and itchy, but it doesn't seem urgent or anything. All right, I guess we should investigate that plume of smoke. Or we can just go to the Westfield Carter Hotel, drop off this uh, cucumber, and, and then investigate. Phony, phony. Like what? No, look. Let's let's take a break here because we need to discuss something about professionalism. Thony, that was the perfect opportunity to refer to him as a mushroom. <laughs> Mushrooms aren't vegetables, Casey. They're funguses. That's true. But if there's fungi, anything, I think any, any fungi actually. You're yeah, a fungi. There we go. And uh, Rowan, as you as you're sitting there. Smug and serene with your arm around this, uh, this comatose child of, of privilege. Uh, your, your cell phone does, uh, do a little, a little jingly jangle, hibbity hop. And there is a text from, uh, Xavier Tangle Fourth the Fifth saying in an absolutely impossible accent 
that he thinks he has uh, possibly discovered something about this Alto Zephyr and that at your earliest convenience, uh, you should drop by for my ties and a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, well, it looks like I got a lead, lead on the, on the, uh, alto, uh, alto saxophone guy. Great. Phenomenal. So I think when, uh, you drop off Theodore at the Westfield Carter, I'm going to hop along to the museum. That way I don't have to deal with any of your white council buddies. Uh, telling me about how evil of a person I am and how I am single-handedly destroying your group of people. Well, you know, if you stopped murdering wizards, that probably I wouldn't happen. I don't murder wizards. I kill warlocks just like you. I just do it more efficiently. Wow. You're going to take that? <sighs> Fiona, produce, Fiona produces a bag of popcorn seemingly from nowhere. <laughs> I didn't mean you specifically, but I mean you and the uh, wardens. The wardens are an institution built for the perpetual protection of the human race. It's not a military compound set out to destroy warlocks. That's what it Why feels not? like most of the time. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it for money. You're doing it for whatever altruistic reasons you guys do it for. That doesn't make it any better that everybody thinks you just go around murdering wizards. Well, maybe if you put in a good word for me, that wouldn't happen. Buddy, I have tried. Yeah. I don't know if you've met, you haven't met any of the uh, fine gentlemen who run the dumbass hotel, but... <laughs> That's why you should be the one running it. I don't disagree with you. Anyway, uh, I'd rather not have to deal with the unpleasant trees, um, unless you are hellbent on seeing this PowerPoint presentation and drinking his Mai Tais. Uh, I think it's best if I, if I split up from you guys. Go for it, man. I'm going where there's Mai Tais. Oh, God. Well... Okay. If anybody asks, we're romantically involved. No. He is, like, super crushing on me. I hate it. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm definitely going with you then. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Go I, dro I drop the, the two of them at the corner nearest to the, um, to the museum. Museum of Weird History? Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and now that you, now that you're, you're finally alone with this living boy corpse, uh, -huh. uh what's, uh, what's going through Solomon's mind? How does he, how does he feel about oh, all A this? lot of dark thoughts. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's shine some lights on those. Let's not. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, mostly, um... Mostly Solomon is just racking over the name Alto Zephyr and the object in his pocket that is somehow unraveling reality sure. and what to do about any of this. Sure. Um, as, as he does so, the more times he mentally projects, not says obviously, but like mentally says the name Alto Zephyr in his head, um, the words begin to take on kind of a solidity, uh, kind of a, kind of a substance, um, mm -hmm. 
unlike just a typical typical fleeting thought like um like something something solid and and tangible in your mind and uh the shape is unusual and a little intimidating hmm okay um and as you uh as as you do so as let's the way i think of it is that solomon says it and or thinks it thinks as it you know and when he does so the thought wave bounces off the shape of the name not unlike in the classic sega genesis video game series echo the dolphin wherein echo would project a sound wave and it would bounce off of stuff right um well that's terrifying <laughs> and i and I, as you do so the uh the object in your pocket begins to kind of resonate every time you think the name it vibrates a little okay i i very pointedly stop thinking about alto's effort sure and the object sure uh until such a time as i can get them both behind a containment circle fair enough Yep. Um, without directly thinking the name or thinking of the object, you can kind of feel them at the edge of your consciousness. That's not good. Yeah, kind of like they're they're standing like just outside your peripheral vision, and they're shouting and, and jumping up and down and waving their arms, trying to get you to look at them. That seems real bad. Yeah, that's that's probably a fair assessment. Real, uh, real bad. I focus very intently on the road. Sure, it's a good road. Good. uh... Good civil service in made of, Portlandia. Made of high-quality asphalt. Absolutely. None better. None better. No potholes. Locally, locally sourced asphalt. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So that's going on. Um, Rowan, P.F. Chang, uh, you guys get dropped off at the corner of Delmont and uh, 41th. And, uh, 41. the, the museum now, now, of weird. Now is 41, like, is that a, is that just a, uh, misspelling on the street sign that has become, like, commonplace, or is that the actual, like, planned name of the street? Uh, it, it goes back to the, the Puritan founders of Land Portlandia, and they, uh, they had, hesitations about using the st suffix on there because they thought it was a little cl too close to satan yeah. so <laughs> yeah so you know, saint which is something acceptable but you know that's just what satan would want you to think oh my god <laughs> so... plus, saint, plus saint is just is just uh an anagram for satan there so... it's true it's true check it out man this conspiracy yep. goes all the way to the top, doesn't it? All the way to the top, all the way to the bottom. Wow. All the right. way to market. Go. All right. So, yes, you're at the corner of Delmont and 41th, and uh, there is the Museum of Weird History. Uh, they are hosting a new exhibit on uh, mysteries of the deep, and uh it looks pretty pretty spooky. Okay, so here's here's my question then. Do yes, they have sir. a new exhibit every day? They have a new exhibit yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> very ir very irregular intervals. Uh sometimes the same exhibit will stay for months at a time. Sometimes there'll be like a series like like a cycle series within the week like there'll be five different exhibits during the work week, but all of those exhibits will tie into a central theme for that week. Okay. Hmm. 
It's a very busy museum. Sounds like fun. Yeah, it's a cool place. This exhibit is centered around the bloop. Yes, it is, actually, Dylan. Thank you for uh, ruining what I was hoping to to spring on the listener there. You're welcome. It's the bloop. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> so, yes, there is the museum. Uh, do you guys enter? Do you get, a get like, a soft serve from the guy outside with the cart? What's going on? Absolutely. Okay. I, 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 I don't. I stand in front of the museum tapping my foot, looking at my watch, and pointedly being very, like, exasperated with her, because I just want to get this whole ordeal over with. And very I good. am purposely oblivious. Of course. Uh, yes, Rowan, your exasperation field extends three squares around you in all directions. Um, <laughs> Fiona, you go up to the cart, and the guy has, like, gelato and soft serve and churros and uh, horchata and falafel. I'll take one of everything. Fantastic. Fantastic. He uh he rings up one of everything and it comes to $37.19. I pay the man promptly. Okay, cash, credit. Cash with a decent tip. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Just heard from across the across the courtyard. <laughs> While I'm counting out change. Specifically, and then you're like, "Oh no, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me give you this so I can get quarters back." <laughs> I'm like, you do know they don't allow food in the museum, right? I'm going to eat it all right now. Oh, God. <laughs> so uh, a Fiona comes over with, with just just a metric grip of comestibles. You want some? No, I want to get this over with. <laughs> Good, because I wasn't going to give you any. Oh, God. <laughs> and I eat it all. Om nom nom. Nom nom. Fantastic. How long does that take? Uh, it takes... Uh, two pluses and two minuses. So, zero hours. Exactly, it takes zero time. It takes literally no measurable time at all. <laughs> so, it, it could either be all the time or none of the time. Exactly. But to me, I don't know, like, I, exactly. I can't even express how I feel in the, the moments she's eating. You can't, because there's not enough time. Schrodinger's thony. It's terrible. I was so very much hoping for it to be, like, a ridiculously small amount of time. <laughs> yes, it was 7.6 femtoseconds. Yeah. Yeah. All right, <laughs> All right, um, you guys head in, and a, uh, a docent hands you some very nice pamphlets on the, uh, various mysteries of the deep, including the bloop and, uh, various underwater cities and the proposing uh, the location of relay exactly exactly somewhere somewhere just north of the nemo point i believe it was and is there uh, yeah there's a bit on the great old ones uh there there is in fact it is a purely uh suppositional exhibit so it's it's <laughs> not, it's not proposing anything in particular it's just saying this is this is what some have theorized and there are uh, exhibits on the thinkings of Lovecraft, the thinkings of Durleth, the thinkings of Abdul Alhazred, the Mad Arab, and the thinkings of uh, Brian Lumley. Who's Brian Lumley? He's an author who works in the Cthulhu mythos. Okay. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's going on a uh, giant full-scale, uh, one-to-one scale model of Mighty Cthulhu's head is uh, made of paper mache and suspended above the entrance to the museum just to make sure that patrons feel significantly insufficient or sufficient, <laughs> sufficiently insignificant, rather, as they uh, as they come in and realize their place in the universe. Do I see uh, Xavier anywhere? Uh, yes, you see him over there, and he is, in fact, lecturing a group of people about uh, the bloop. And here we get into what I hope will be a uh, a recurring theme, which is, of course, Xavier's accent roulette. <laughs> and, uh, Phony, since you'll be the one probably talking most to him, I will allow you to choose the accent. Um, sounds like, like... Like, he talks like Croach the Tracker. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Croach the Tracker from the amazing Thrilling Adventure podcast, our podcast, which you all should listen to. Exactly. Uh, This evening, the part of Xavier Tangle 4th the 5th will be played by Croach the Tracker of Sparks, Nevada, Marshall on Mars. Yay! Various applause! And so it was that when the bloop was heard across the land, it was surmised that it could be made from no living animal. It was far too large. And yet, no ice sounds either had ever been recorded at such a depth and range. This led many to believe that there was a giant subaquatic animal living and producing such sounds. But this was deemed too scary. And so science did not look further into it. He, uh, he looks over and sees that you two have entered. He says, thank you for attending my lecture on the mysteries of the bloop. Enjoy everything this museum has to offer, beloved patrons. Thank you. Goodbye. And he excuses himself. And he comes over to you and uh, feels really bad about his Croach the Tracker impression because it had been a long time since he'd listened to that podcast. <laughs> yeah, nothing about Otis. No, no designations, nothing. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He just didn't, sounded he... like a Native American guy. Exactly. So that was that was his that was his tour voice. So uh, give him another one to talk to you in. Uh, I don't know. I thought like his German accent was the accent. The... Oh sure. The... Guten Tag, Lauren. Oh, and who is your lovely friend? Hello, Liebchen. This is this <clears throat> is uh, Fiona P. Annoying. Quirk. Uh, annoying. Fiona P. Quirk. She runs the coffee shop and tagged along uh, without my consent. He uh, he 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 listens delightedly and looks <laughs> over and says, "Oh, and here I thought I was Rowan's only non-consensual tag along. Oh, we have so much to discuss. Come and see, come and see." And he uh, and he extends his arm uh, for you to take and leads you guys, if you please, uh, over to the the area you guys that you and. That Rowan, that you and he went to before the, uh, you know, behind the velvet rope. Okay. Now he, uh, he leads you into the back room where a frosty pitcher of Mai Tais is, uh, sitting and perspiring, just waiting to be sipped upon. Yes. Do you have any water? Yeah, there's water in the Mai Tais. I, I, I don't <laughs> drink. I've been over this like six times with you. If you don't drink, then why do you want water? I don't drink alcohol. Oh, okay. All right. Let me see what I can find. So he uh he rummages through his his mini fridge. I which... got it, Casey. Casey, let me let me tell you so, how it gets me water. He okay. has a centrifuge. Yeah. 
And he actually separates the water from the alcohol in the Mai Tais. Yes, that's that's it. That's much better than what I was going to come up with. So absolutely, he uses a haunted centrifuge and yes. uh, and produces a, a glass of, I don't know what color Mai Tais are, Mai Tai colored water for you. Thank you. No, thank you. So, what have you kids been up to? Um, well... You look you look like you've got this stink of an adventure upon your noggins, like so many birds flying overhead. Uh, well, we found the the uh, Prescott boy. Oh. And Rowan exploded his hand. Oh, my Rowan. And we found the ring, but a magical doctor broke it. There was a magic doctor? Yeah. Why didn't you bring this magic doctor to meet me? I want to know a magic doctor. She's taking care of the, the, the parents that the press, the Prescott boy, uh, did mind gymnastics with. Oh. Yeah, my people have never been given very good scores in mind gymnastics. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, that was an East Germany Olympics joke, for the record. <laughs> we got that, Casey. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so he he sits down and he opens up a uh, a little yellow legal pad that he has there, and there, there's a great big leather bound tome. One might even say a grimoire next to him, and he he opens up to a certain page and compares some notes, and he says, "Okay, first things first, first things first, first things first. Rohan, your beard smells fantastic. What have you put in there?" It's it's a sandalwood beard oil. I use it every Sandal- day. Sandalwood beard oil. Oh, you must get me the recipe, dear boy. Do you make it yourself? Do you get it from somewhere? I, I get it. Uh, what was the name of the guy that gave it to me, Casey? Oh, it was your best friend. Um, his that's... name is my best friend. His name is my best friend. Uh, yeah, he's not my best friend, but that's that was me. a long that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Anyway, he owns the uh, he owns the the shop, the barber shop. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll have to go over there. Uh, I, I can and do cut my own hair, so I never had occasion to go to a barber shop. I'll have to check that out. I look at Xavier's hair, and then I look back at him. It I'm looks like, really of good. Of course you do. Yeah, it looks really good. He comes from a long line of, of auto barbers. I thought, I thought, I thought he had, like, crazy, like, I always pictured him with crazy, like, uh, what's his face? Wayne Solinsky hair from... Sure. Uh, I always pictured him as Russ Jacoby, or as uh, Russ Russ Tamblin as Dr. Lawrence Jacoby in Twin Peaks, but, like, even then, you gotta cut your hair. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, oh, well, okay, you must give me the name of that barbershop, dear boy. I want to smell just like you all the time. I can I... think of one way you can smell like him all the time. I know, and I'm going to go there and get the stuff. It's going to be great. Anyway, is there, anything, is there anything I can get you, you, you kind of before we start? Um, no, I'd rather us just start, please. Fiona, how is your Mai Tai? It's wonderful, thank you. Oh, I suppose since you're drinking it, it's your tie. That's <laughs> 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 like, I'm I'm my name. And, like, so frustrated right now. That's fair. I tell okay. Fiona, I'm never bringing you anywhere ever again. Fair. Okay. So, before I start in on what I learned... Uh, did you did you learn anything? Did you gather any data, or was it just like pure doing, pure events while you were over there? So uh, the ring itself was literally woven grass. 
Okay. He's he's writing down without looking as you're saying this. Um it 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 crumbled once the the spell or whatever magical force was upon it uh disappeared. Um the the Prescott uh boy himself made it seem like we weren't dealing with a standard uh with standard never never fair uh mm-hmm. this wasn't any of the fairies this this wasn't a demon uh this was something that none of us had ever like experienced or heard of uh before um he he was very threatening and made it seem like this guy was was something that even us couldn't handle uh if we were to ever deal with him um he he said he would rather be he said he would rather be dead than uh having to deal with the wrath of uh, Alto Zephyr um and he placed the ring on his forehead and now he's comatose for reasons i'm not entirely sure of oh my all right well i was able to gather some information on that ring which I can only come to the conclusions that he stole that while he was doing his internship here. I know we had suspected that earlier, but that's... I mean, I put two and two together, and that's the four I find. <laughs> so he probably scarpered off with that. Uh, I looked up the item in the catalog, and this ring has been in our possession for a very long time. It has popped up in history again and again at moments of great... Uh, how do I say this? At moments of transition, uh, when states shift very suddenly, when allegiances rebalance, when the shape of the world is suddenly changed in a very immediate and not always pleasant or delicate manner. So it's pretty safe to assume that it's always been imbued with these... And you said there was mind control involved? Yes. Yes, it's safe to assume that there's always been some sort of mental uh, trait involved with this. Uh, its origins, I don't know. It goes far too back for that. And you said it was destroyed? That the that the the magic doctor broke it? I I mean that's what I saw. She she did some hand stuff. Uh, it there was there was some sort of illusion or glamour about it. Uh huh. Where. Like, it, it was almost impossible to look at directly. Mm. Shimmering, like, nobody could ever get a good look at it. Uh, she finally did something, and it was literally grass woven into a ring. Something I'd see a, a kindergartner making on the playground. Right, yeah. And he uh, he actually swings the big leather tome that he's got in his lap over, and you you see a large line drawing of what looks exactly like that. Only according to this book, it was it was made of of glass, but it was somehow preserved. It was somehow kept from from damage and from age. So that's interesting. We're learning stuff. Um, ask him. Uh, who was the last person? Like, when was the last time in history this popped up? The last time. That's an excellent question. Let me flip through my notes here. And he uh he flips through his his what you call it his yellow legal pad and he says um the last time in recorded history and of course you have to understand this thing drops in and out of the record just all the time so there may very well be uh intervening incidents of which we are not aware but it looks like 
the last time it was known to pop up was in Wyoming in the early 1800s. It looks like it was used to, oh my, this is, this is some dark stuff, Owen. And he, uh, he actually reaches over and dims the lights just a little bit. <laughs> uh, it looks like this was actually used to quell an uprising of native peoples as a man named Angus Highcastle, uh, tried to subdue them and stake his claim in the Wyoming territory. I look over at, uh, Fiona, and I say, does that name ring a bell to you? Say the name again. It was Angus Highcastle. Does the ring mean, like, Jackie has an approximate knowledge of most things. Yeah. So does... uh, Does the name ring a bell? uh, Let's see here. Um, Especially in, like, fairy or wizard or whatever kind of lore. Right. Okay, um... So the stunt for I liked it before it was cool, um, which entails her approximate knowledge of everything, reads that you get a plus two to clever. So if you, Jackie, can relate to me the circumstances under which Fiona might have heard in passing something about the horrible tale of Angus High Castle, then I'll be uh, inclined to allow it. Um, some crazy old man talking about it in Magic Bean over a cup of coffee. That's actually terrifying and pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Then yes, I will allow it, and that uh, will. Can I, can I can I make an addendum to that? Yeah. The guy looks like he lived in the 1800s. Yes, he, he just... was. He was curiously, uh, curiously old-fashioned, and his uh, teeth were horrible, and he kept using racial slurs like they weren't racial slurs, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he was in an old uh, like settler's coat. It was odd. So that'll be a fate point down from you because you used your stunt there. So you're down to two for the day, which is fair. All right, very good. Yes. Um. So you heard a bit of the tale of Angus High Castle from this uh this vagrant who would come in and patronize your establishment from time to time. So you you are familiar with how he uh inflicted his horrible will upon the local populace of Native Americans who. Uh, were strangely compliant. Um, they, for lack of a better term, they didn't really seem to fight back, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of them, not a lot, but a handful, uh, even came over to High Castle's side and helped in the subduing of their own brethren. And, uh, his reign of terror only came to an end when, uh, his, the hand that the ring rested on was uh lopped off at the wrist by his oldest daughter virginia so she relays all that to us right yes i told you we should have just cut his hand off i tried with a bottle of beer it's the wrong hand i thought it was i thought i no it was it was the ring on it yeah it was the correct hand if memory serves, he just didn't blow it off. Yeah, he mulched it. I saved your life. A beer bottle would have hit me. I saved your blouse. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's all right. So Xavier is uh, Xavier is listening intently as you as you relate the terrible tale of uh, of Angus High Castle and the betrayal of his daughter Virginia. Um, coming soon to a Prairie Home Companion.
He says, so yeah, that's all of that. Man, uh, whatever this thing is, it's bad news. And I think we can all count ourselves lucky that it's no longer out there in circulation. It is, of course, terrible that such a mysterious and powerful object was destroyed without the proper study. Like it could have received here at the Museum of Weird History. And he looks very pointedly at Rowan, tilting his head a couple more degrees with each word. I would have given it back to you. You should have made more of an effort to bring it back, is what I'm saying. Anyway! (laughs) Now, the ring was in the restricted section. Even before we knew what it was, we knew it was bad news. So, the Preston boy wouldn't have just, like, found it. So, how he knew it was there, how he managed to get past my security measures, and uh, how, how any of this unfolded is something I'll have to look into further. But... I'm inclined to think at this moment that he had some outside help. That someone knew this was here. And for whatever unknowable reason, uh, put it into his hands. Perhaps help from an outsider. Own mine. <laughs> uh, so what about, what about, what about this, the name of this, uh, guy in particular? Yeah. So he, he flips through, uh, one to the page, knocks the page, knocks the page. So, uh, this Alto Zefa and, uh, across town speeding through the streets of Landport Landia as, th- as, as Xavier Tangleforth V says the words Alto Zephyr, um, Solomon hears, it's like the feeling of hearing a knock at the door, but it's in his mind and Uh-oh. the, par- and the parcel in his pocket jumps just a little bit. Okay, that's that's not terrifying at all. I yeah. accelerate. It's <laughs> fair. <laughs> that's the only reasonable response. Go faster, damn it! Yeah, yeah, no, I accelerate another like five miles an hour over the speed limit. Oh my god, there are so many bikes you're passing. I know. <laughs> both, both regular tandem and recumbent. What the fuck is a recumbent bicycle? It's, it's, it's one of those bikes that you... It's like almost like a full chair you're sitting yeah. on. You lay down in it. It's like the one Squidward had. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. I recumbent. refuse to believe this is a thing. No, it Fair is. Dylan, Dylan, I'm going to post a video on 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 uh, your Facebook that will... All right, I guess. Anyway, up. it doesn't it doesn't matter. It Well, you wouldn't think so, would you? And yet, here we are. <laughs> so, uh, back in there... um. Xavier is reading from his notes. Yes, Alto Zephyr, again, the, the thing in your, in your pocket jumps and somebody like flicks the side of your head. Uh-huh. Uh, was the name given to a sort of genius loci, a sort of, uh, local spirit in this area when it was first settled by the white man? Um, the natives had another name for it that was much more difficult to pronounce. And honestly, uh, there was a fair bit of superstition around it. Apparently, those who said the name too much tended to disappear or to have unfortunate and improbable things befall them. Like Beetlejuice? I couldn't possibly comment, except to say that yes. (laughs) And by the way... The only way I would be okay with a Beetlejuice sequel is if it was called Beetlejuice, colon, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> You've said it too many times! 
I would like to thank Rodrigo Lopez, DM of Critical Hit, for that joke. <laughs> All right. Um, Did you show so yeah. up? What? You've said his name more than three times. Oh, I thought I thought you were saying Rodrigo was going to show up, and I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, God, I wish. Anyway. Oh, by the way, everybody, Rodrigo has a book he just wrote called The Tale of Tallest Rabbit. Go buy it. Anyway. So, yes, he's reading out of his thing. Uh, it was a local spirit. It was named Alto Zephyr because it seemed to reside in areas where the wind was the most violent and the zephyrs, the most energetic, cold, and unforgiving, the high areas and the mountains and such. Uh, and that is what I have. Um, the natives apparently had a system for appeasing it involving offerings and ceremonial practices. You know, like any other local god. You come to the area, the spirits are stronger, you find out how to make the spirits happy, and you do it so they protect you, or so they don't eat your face in the night. Um, Is this a situation of the latter variety or the former? Well... I'm going to say the latter, just based on our experiences with it so far. I mean, the kid is a douchebag. Like, any douchebag with power is going to abuse it. Well, you know, it's interesting. And he um, he takes off his reading glasses and, and sips his Mai Tai. Uh, his mind Tai, if you will. <laughs> he says, you know, you, know, you know, it's interesting. There has been very little formal study of the evolution of uh, of ritual and the occult in the modern world alongside technological innovation, uh, because this country in particular considers itself to be very rational and very non-superstitious on an official academic level. Of course, in other countries like in Haiti, for example, where their voodoo religions are still alive and well, there is a very modern, uh, constantly evolving take on the, re- the relationship one can have with the spirits, serving them, pleasing them, their relationship to God, to nature, to the people around us. Um, but... It seems that spirits are capable of evolving, much as we are, and that a spirit who in the past might have been violent and unpredictable and unreasonable might have come to understand that there is a better way to interact with the mundane world around it and with the people living in the area it shares. Um, Now, of course, the way in which the spirit would want to interact with the regular people around it depends on what the spirit wants. If it's a good spirit, if it's a bad spirit, it is, of course, going to act according to its nature. So if Alto Zephyr, and again, uh, Dylan, it's, uh, but Solomon, excuse me, uh, it's the thing in your pocket, like, slams into your leg, like, so, so hard that it actually causes you to goose the gas and, uh, very nearly hit, uh, some jackass walking on stilts across the, uh, the (laughs) crossbar. Uh, I shout at him as I go by. What do you shout at him? Fucking stick walking motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> and he looks around like, who me? Um. Like there's anyone else. Exactly, the other stick walking motherfucker. <laughs> there's a gentleman with a walking stick over there. I say. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, okay, so. God, what was I saying? So yes, this spirit, who he was violent and angry and difficult to appease in the past, he was the kind of spirit that you just wanted to leave you alone. So 
if this guy, this spirit, is related to what's going on, regardless of the evolution of his methods and his interaction with the Preston boy and his now apparent comfort in using mortal agents to express his will, it is safe to assume that his methodology has evolved and that it is not benevolent. I, I kind of give out a low, like, whistle. Go ahead. No, I'm not doing it. I can't whistle. Like, okay, well, there goes my suspension of disbelief. All right, so he um he he does flip over a page in the big uh, in the big grimoire, and he says, "So this is this was found at a number of worship sites, not restricted simply to Alto Zephyr and uh, Solomon." When he says at that time, the object in your pocket like literally wiggles out of your pocket. And, uh, falls down. You know that little space between, like, where the handbrake is and, mm-hmm. and your seat? The where your triangle of the car? Exactly, where your phone always falls or whatever, whatever thing you need to not yeah. fall down there. And it falls down there. Great. Phenomenal. Yep. Awesome. Out- outstanding. Um, so cut back to, smash cut back to Xavier. He says, uh, not related strictly to the version of that creature, but Apparently, in some systems, he was involved in a larger community of of entities of of spirits, and he turns the book around and inside on the uh the rich vellum paper is a diagram uh very nearly identical to the one that Solomon found inside uh Theodore Preston's workshop. Now here's an important question. Solomon, did you tell them about the diagram or did they, did nobody else went into the garage but you, did they? Uh no, I don't think they did. And no, okay. I didn't say anything about it. And I haven't viewed any of like my surveillance. Yeah, what your what your scuttle buddy found? Um Okay. Scuttle buddy. <laughs> Can I recognize any of the uh the runes drawn on it as um like I, like I recognized the name. Well, you um, you you recognize that one of the sections of the diagram says Alto Zephyr in in the same way that like if you saw your own name written somewhere, you would recognize the shape of it without necessarily having to read it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So so that, but in order to actually like decipher the runes, uh, first of all, you don't know that you know enough to do that. Yeah. And, uh, second of all, you, you'd need a lot more time than just a glance at it. Okay, um, uh, do I recognize any of the names as any kind of, I don't know if I would say, like, like, because the Never Never is a big place. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the fairy courts, but yeah, like, like, are any of the names of the major queens of any of the courts, uh, written in this book? Well, um, Rowan, d- does Rowan have any any runecraft in him? Any experience with runic uh, writing system? I he does. Like his mom is, like his mom has been trying in vain to groom him mm-hmm. for uh, to take over as the ruler of the Spring Court. Mm-hmm. So, so there have been times when she has unceremoniously plucked him. Uh, from his life and has tried to uh, teach him things uh, okay. 
that he should know. Sure. Uh, as new ruler of right, teach your children well, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, then I will say this: being as he is part fey, uh, Rowan understands that names have a power, that names are not simply a cluster of sounds, but that they can be representative of the object or person that they name. And so in that wise, I'm going to say that Rowan has not necessarily an ability, but the capacity to recognize the power within names exactly so if he sees a name of power written down somewhere whether or not he can actually read it he can tell like kind of from the metaphysical shape of it that it's significant and there are uh three names on this diagram um and and there's a there's a little central nub as well that doesn't appear to be a name because there's there's too many what look like might be words but there are three names and none of them are on the power level of say a fairy queen but they are definitely names of power they are definitely the designations of something significant okay uh i ask xavier if we can have the book or borrow the book <laughs> oh, 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 dear boy, no. No, no, no. Oh, Liebling, no. But I tell you what I can do. I can make you a mimeograph. And he, uh, he goes over and he does in fact have an old-fashioned mimeo machine. And, uh, he, he, he takes it. And this is, this is where Casey becomes painfully aware that he doesn't actually know how mimeograph machine works. Um, let's try. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I think you do. You have to like feed the page through a thing to make a copy of it. So never mind. He has a he has a, a photocopier over there. Yeah, and he uh, he prints you out a copy. And I'll actually I'll actually make one up later, and we can put it on the the Twitter and the Facebook. But yeah, he he makes you one up and um and hands it over. He says, "No, you can have this now. Promise me you'll be careful with it. It's the only copy I have." I will. I can I talk? I immediately take out a pen and start circling all the all the names that I recognize. Sure, he's 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 twitching hardcore. <laughs> he, he got he got the fidgets, man. And I'm just in the back laughing my ass off. There you go. Should have just asked Fiona to to, to lift it. <laughs> yeah, an enormous grimoire that weighs half as much as she does. <laughs> she would have been yeah, able to do not? it. Yeah, well. I if got that base. nuts were candy and butts, every day would be Unter Donkfest. Oh my god. Uh, good office reference, Casey. Thanks, Tony. Good recognition of an office reference. <laughs> Alright. Okay, so um, Xavier says, So that's what I have for you at the moment. Um, I'm going to look into these other names. I haven't even deciphered them yet. But I'll keep looking into them and what relations they might have to Altozefa. And, uh, Solomon, as he, as he says it this time, the thing that is now under your seat jumps and thumps up so hard that your head actually hits the roof of the Jeep. Jesus. Yeah, and your mind is, um, your, your mind is ringing like, like you've just been hanging around listening to fireworks for 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm assuming we're done with the, uh, museum then? I, I mean, if you want to be, this is this is your call, Captain. 
I, I mean, I don't know if there's anything like we've gotten all the information we could out of him. Like, unless we want to go look at the exhibits, uh, I'm gonna head out. Okay. Uh, and uh, while I'm leaving, I'm texting. I'm testing, texting uh, Solomon. Uh, very, very briefly. Uh, this is a lot bigger than we think. Um, uh, uh, this. This is this is not the first time this sort of situation has happened. Um, uh, we may be in big trouble. Uh, come meet me at the Magic Bean uh, when you're done at the White Castle. I mean, at the White Castle. Nope. Nope. Three, two, one, cannon. <laughs> Damn it, Casey! <laughs> when you're done getting your sliders on, <laughs> when you're when you're when you leave the the Westfield Carter Hotel, when Cal Penn and John Cho are done hanging out with you. <laughs> Uh, when you're done leaving the, the Westfield Cargo Hotel, meet me at the Magic Means. Uh, like, some new information has come to light. God, Rowan is a wordy texter. Yes, I am. And that was me abbreviating being, my text. Being, being sure. brief. Yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, very good. What is, what is Solomon's name in your phone? That guy. That guy. No, 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 no. Sorry. Uh, Solomon is actually Solomon in my phone because I have respect for him. Fair enough. Well, is that supposed to imply that I don't have respect for you just because you're my little phony in my phone? No, no, because that's how you, you like, you show affection. That's like, true. Uh, but, like... Rowan shows up in my phone as Rowan Atkinson because I don't know his last name. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, and, but Fiona, Fiona, I don't even know how I got Fiona's number in my phone. I think she... <laughs> it just It just migrated in there. And uh, it changes... Every time, like she's in the car with me. Oh, like, that's cool. Somehow, she somehow manages to to change her name into something equally uh, ridiculous uh, every time she's in the car with me. I that's fantastic. This. What what does it say right now, Jackie? That's up to you because you're the one who put it in my phone. Shit, um, you can't put me on the spot like this. Uh, Zoe Deschanel. There we go. All right, so... Um, no, no, no. A more attractive Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. <laughs> it just says a more attractive Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Solomon, you receive a text, and I imagine the phone buzzing in your pocket probably freaks you out pretty bad. Yep. <laughs> so how does that go down? Uh, so it's a lot of um, just sort of flailing without taking your hands off the wheel, just the kind of... Ah, ah, ah! And then like, right, like bouncing in the seat. Over the steering wheel. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's terrifying. Yeah. Well, you uh, you manage to settle the f down and uh, open it up, and it is in fact that text from Rowan. Great and fantastic. Uh, I text <laughs> I text back while driving too quickly. Stop saying the name. <laughs> <laughs> Delightful. I, I text back who Alto Zephyr question mark, <laughs> question. God damn it. <laughs> Okay, um, and with that one, actually, Solomon, you, you, there's a thump on the bottom of your seat, and then there's a very loud puncturing sound, and, uh, now a, a loud sound as if, as if wind is somehow getting into the car. Oh, God. And, okay. uh, this is, this is happening right as you pull up to, uh, to begin to pull into the street that the Westfield Carter I Hotel check is my, I check my rearview mirror to see if the thing has fallen out of the car. Um, you do not see a, a tiny object. Great. Great. But then again, it's tiny and you're well, looking... Well, no, 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 because here's the deal. 
You can't look for the ring. You have to look around the ring. Is there it's, anything that looks it's like... It's not the it's ring. The ring destroyed itself. What, what's in his pockets? It's an Stop artifact that. that I took from the, um, oh, from the workshop. I don't remember that happening. Yeah, well... No, that's okay. Um, okay. I thought it was the ring in, in your pocket the entire time. It was nope. not. The, the ring was destroyed by uh, by Mrs. Dr. Bismarck, PhD. I thought the, it like rebuilt itself like he took the crumbles to take with him to the, the Westfield car. Oh, man, why did they stop making crumbles? Those were good. So anyway... Funnier than you guys acted. Anyway, um, yeah, as you turn onto the street that the Westfield Carter Hotel is on, and uh, Fiona and Rowan, you guys exit the Museum of Weird History, and the uh, the Everything Man with all of his food has taken off for the evening to be replaced by a Sherbet Man and a Waffle Man, respectively. I go get a waffle with Sherbet on it. There you go. What flavor Sherbet? Rainbow. Rainbow Sherbet it is. Just like I used to get from Butler's. Good times. Anyway, alright, so Solomon, you pull up there. You cats are outside in a lovely summer evening. Remember it was summer when we started this podcast, you guys? Oh, man. Uh, and uh, I think that is probably where we'll call it. This episode's getting a little long in the tooth. I feel bad, though, because Dylan didn't really do anything this episode. Oh, it's okay. You're going to know what that feels like next time. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And well, and Dylan almost like ran over a stilt walker. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty. I think I, I love it. Like his his was the B story in this episode, but it was it was an entertaining one. Like like you know when 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 the office was actually like trying to deal with some heavy subject, but there was a really good B line of like Jim messing with Dwight. That's that's what I get. I don't know why we're office heavy today, but I like it because All it's a good this- cultural. Office is amazing. All of this is getting cut, so let's let's uh let's say goodbye, folks. Fair enough. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. You can tweet at us at semi auto magi. You can follow us. We post updates and stuff there occasionally, and if we get more followers, I imagine we'll begin to post more things. Uh you can email us at semi automagicpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um honestly, when I listen to other gaming podcasts, some of my favorite episodes are the mailbag podcasts when they read, you know, questions or comments that listeners have. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd love to be able to do one of those. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, and you can find us on uh, Facebook as well. And I, for my sins, have been Casey. I'm Anthony. I'm Jackie. I'm Dylan. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, all my buddies. Next week, next week we discuss the button mushroom. Oh, nice. God. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>